going to call the City of Iowa City meeting to order on January 18th, 2022. And I'm going to start with the roll call, please. Alter? Here. Burgess? Here. Armson? Here. Taylor? Here. Teague? Here. Thomas? Here. Weiner? Here. All right. Well, welcome everyone. And we also have uh, not only people in the audience, but uh, we have some individuals on Zoom. So welcome to you all as well. If you should have any issues, um, please raise your hand and let us know if you can't hear us and we'll try to get that resolved. But wanna welcome everyone. And yesterday was Dr. King's day and so I hope people had the opportunity to stop and commemorate uh, the man with the dream that we are now still pursuing as a country. And we're going to start with item number one, which is a special presentation, or item number two, which is a special presentation. Uh, 2A is a COVID update from Johnson County Public Health, Sam Jarvis, who is the Community Health Division Manager. Welcome. Good evening to the Iowa City Council. As always, I appreciate the opportunity to provide updates. Uh, certainly wish uh, we could state that we're seeing a decrease in cases, but we are still seeing a pretty significant uh, level of transmission. I know the staff had mentioned uh, earlier this week or this morning in a, uh, our COVID update internally that over the past seven days, we've seen roughly about 2,800 cases. And so to put that in comparison or, or context, at one point in time near the end of summer, we were showing concern when we had 400 cases within a seven-day reporting period and, and starting to creep into high transmission. And now we are, are really beyond that point. And so ourselves, much like the rest of the state and other parts of the nation, are seeing that uh, Omicron uh, surge uh, right now. So what are we looking to do about that? Uh, as always, we are continuing to promote and strongly encourage everyone to get vaccinated and boosted. And to clarify in the language that many have probably noticed the CDC posture and, and state is to be up to date, uh, which includes to be fully vaccinated, but uh, get the booster shot when you're eligible, uh, which now for MRA, mRNA vaccines or Pfizer and Moderna, that's five months after uh, your primary series. And so we continue to do our best to clarify that uh, information because we know within the past several weeks, much has changed, uh, and quite quickly, given the, the speed that we've seen this in, uh, increase in, in cases. So uh, our staff are available to answer those questions throughout the day. Uh, we are continuing to update our communication pieces and guidance out to uh, the community and other work groups that we've stood up with uh, different sectors, uh, whether it's our schools and daycares and others. So uh, we'll continue to push that information out as best as possible because we know that uh, it's not that always that folks are operating off of misinformation or even the wrong information, but it might be just out, out of date. Uh, and so we uh, want to continue to stress that clarification. Uh, and then certainly, and, and what's probably at top of mind, is the recent communication we've seen from the CDC about masks. Uh, and above all, we still want to stress that any mask is better than no mask, especially when we're talking about indoor spaces uh, and community transmission. Uh, but that it's really about fit, protection, and comfort. Because many may want to opt into something that's most protective, but if it's too uncomfortable that you don't wear it right, uh, you may be erring on that set of caution, but not wearing it correctly. So again, uh, you know, other examples are that medical or surgical masks may not fit uh, as appropriate as for some. There may be gaps around the side. So we do want to emphasize that fit, 
uh, and comfort are also um, things to consider when, when selecting a mask for yourself. The other thing with that, when we're looking at folks moving to or moving away from cloth masks, uh, things that can be laundered, is the, uh, the time to wear uh, or the length of time and reuse of, of surgical or N95s. And so uh, we've not received clear guidance from our state or federal partners, but again, if it's soiled or damaged, it's time to replace it. So we'll just continue to ask folks to be thoughtful and think about those things. Certainly we know that um, whether one wears makeup on the inside, it can be, uh, it can come off on the inside of the mask, or if, uh, depending on what you're doing, if you're cooking over a stove or things like that, it can be soiled or laden with oil particles or other things like that. So as always, uh, if it looks like it's uh, soiled or, or, or dirty, it might be time to, to replace that. And as always, we'll continue to promote other layers of mitigation, which are uh, things like physical distancing and staying home when you're ill. Uh, and to that point, uh, in, in regards of testing, again, appreciate the support from all of our community partners and libraries uh, to support the Test Iowa at Home program. Uh, we've got uh, good geographic access, but we know that right now that there's been uh, some of a strain on testing capacity uh, because of the high demand, which we're happy to see. We're glad that folks are, are getting tested when either exposed or symptomatic or just wanting to know uh, whether or not uh, if they're ill. Uh, and so we continue to uh, provide guidance on testing uh, and do our best to, to meet access uh, as best as possible. Uh, but with that, happy to answer any questions the council may have. Thank you, Sam. What can you tell us about the drive-through testing sites that I've heard about at uh, Liberty High School? I don't know if there's a second one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to our knowledge, uh, the uh, Nomi Health System, uh, it sounds like it has several test sites across the state, uh, and they'll be uh, or have set up one in, in um, North Liberty. Uh, and so they are, are operating independently uh, and in partnership with other entities, I believe Iowa City School District, uh, Des Moines uh, School District and, and Polk County have uh, set up sites. We believe that there is intention to set up sites across other other places, but at the moment we only know of the one that's uh, stood up here. Uh, so again, we appreciate the support of, of testing capacity. Uh, we believe that they're in contact with the state health department so that uh, the tests that they are taking uh, are reported through the, the state surveillance system. So happy to see access uh, continue to increase. Well, thank you so much for all that you all are doing. I know that um, with the numbers going up, um, what would be the best place for an individual just to go to get information if they suspect they have COVID or in trying to figure out the new guidance? Uh, we absolutely want them to contact us. Uh, they can reach us at the office. We have staff available, happy to walk through their uh, specific scenario because we know now that uh, and as many are aware that we've uh, suspended investigations and contact tracing for individual cases, uh, we're happy to provide that information and guidance and, and walk through uh, one specific scenario. So they can reach us at the main line at the department, 319-356-6040, and ask to speak to a disease prevention specialist. And we've certainly repurposed our contact tracing team to also be available throughout the day to help us with that call volume. So uh, we're absolutely happy to walk through the scenarios. But Sam, with, stu with students coming back back in town now, um, presumably I mean, they've been other places where an Omicron is all over the country. Do we have any sense of, um, without having a crystal ball, when Omicron is likely to peak and start heading down around here? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no um, 
good modeling. And, if, uh, and actually, I, uh, to note today, the state had made an announcement that it sounds like the CDC had modeling available on their site uh, and have recently taken that down because uh, Omicron is just far outpacing what modeling can do. And so uh, it is a bit unknown at, at this point. Uh, but going forward, you know, as we continue to see this increase in cases, we are really stressing all the different things and tools that we have and, and knowledge so that we can curb transmission as best as possible. Uh, but I apologize, right, uh, a lot right now is, is somewhat unknown. Thanks. Great. Sam, I really appreciate it on your website. The Johnson County Public Health website looks like it had been recently revamped that had three big buttons about what to do if you test positive or you think you have COVID and, or if someone in your household had COVID. But that, that repurposing um, or the, the updating of that information was really helpful. So I hope folks will check that out too. Thank you. I'll, I'll be sure to pass that along to staff. You know, certainly the, the decision to suspend tracing investigations was, was extremely difficult, uh, but we wanted to repurpose the site so that uh, as soon as folks were there on the landing page, as you noted, that they would have that guidance uh, directly for their situation as best as possible. So it is, staff did a, a wonderful job to redesign that for, for high volume uh, to be able to address those uh, specific scenarios. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And I do see a hand raised. I asked um, that hands be raised on, on Zoom if there was an issue. So, oh, maybe there wasn't. The hand is removed. We'll continue. But um, if there is any issues, please raise your hand and I'll just confirm that there is an issue. We are on to items number three through eight. Could I get a motion to approve the consent agenda? So moved. Second, Taylor. All right. Anyone from the public like to discuss this uh, topic? If you are on Zoom, um, there's a button at the bottom for you to raise your hand, and I'll call upon you. And if you're in, in present here, I ask that you come to the mic. There is a sign-in on the side table over there that you'll need to do at some point. Seeing, is it, would anyone like to speak? Welcome. And everyone also gets uh, three minutes. Welcome. Hello. My name is Noah. I live in Iowa City. Uh, I'm here to speak out a couple items on the consent agenda today. Uh, one was about the, C the police review board's minutes about the meeting where they discussed, where they f somehow found that ICPD was not in violation of using excessive force when they gassed tear uh wow flash flashbang grenaded whatever you want to call it in a oc sprayed uh, hundreds of us that were standing in the middle of a road for and had uh acts that violate the geneva convention war crimes are committed against people who were peacefully standing in the street and the CPRP, the review board showed how useless, how ineffective they are when they can't even find acts of war, excessive force, that is obscene. That's disgusting, and that is, it, it, it's wrong. Like that's, there's, there's, there's no excuse. There is, that tear gassing at night was wrong like it'll be in 
yet this council has done nothing to rein in its cops since then. It's done nothing to change the culture. And then when those cops talk about, and on video, you hear them saying, oh, let them eat gas, saying just so proud of how they were gassing us. Bunch of them, from a whole bunch of different agencies. And yet this council won't do anything to rein in those cops. Given millions and millions, millions of dollars a year, but not like when people need housing, the city doesn't do anything for it. When there's extreme weather events coming, the city doesn't pay. You look away all you want, but like these are the facts. When there is an adverse weather event, event coming, you all ignored me. You other people who demanded shelter for those people did nothing about it. But yet you can fund these cops millions and millions of dollars, but you can't do provide the most basic safety to people who need shelter. One of the like three basic things every community needs is shelter. Everyone needs that and the city can't even do that. But they can fund millions to this force that will gas people if they stand up to police brutality. Well not just police brutality, but yeah. Do something about that actually invest in the people of the city instead of the cops who are violent and will gas us when they please. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address any item on the consent agenda? Seeing no one in the present or online, I am going to have council discussion at this point. Roll call, please. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. We are on to item number 9, which is community comment. These are items people want to address that are not on the agenda. Speakers will be provided three minutes to speak. And I will. Um, I see some hands raised online, and if you're present and you want to speak, I ask that you step to the side, and there's a, a note card to sign up, and then step to the mic, and I'll call upon you. We're going to go online to Amel Ali. Welcome. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome. All right. Um, first and foremost, um, I just wanted to extend gratitude to you all uh, for allowing a hybrid form for these meetings um, because it allows me a chance to uh, formally give you an invite to a TRC meeting that I reached out to you um, a few guys, a few of you guys uh, um, about a couple of weeks ago. Um, regarding uh, Ron Wakabayashi, where he would be presenting. And unfortunately, due to COVID and inclement weather, we decided to cancel our meeting. Um, so I'm here to formally invite you guys again to this Thursday's meeting at 7 p.m. Um, and you have the option to join via Zoom as well. Um, and just to give you a little bit of background 
Um, Ron was the national director of the Japanese American Citizens League that made the redress campaign their priority. Um, in 1988, President Reagan signed legislation HR 442 that issued a formal apology and monetary compensation for any living survivor of the wrongful incarceration. Um, and I think that it's just a really great opportunity to hear from someone who's involved in a truth and reconciliation process. Uh, there's a lot that we could all learn. Um, secondly, um, I just wanted to make one comment uh, regarding the joint entities meeting and this kind of ties to um, the first presentation that was given about uh, COVID update. Um, I think it would be really interesting to pose the question to everyone um, about adequate masks and um, supplying adequate masks to the community and um, especially those who are the most vulnerable to catching COVID, um, like supplying better masks to schools, supplying better masks to public libraries um, and things like that. See how you guys can work together and put your money together um, to give people just a little bit more um, peace with everything that's going on because there are so many unknowns with this variant um, and frankly I'm not at the place where I think it's going to go um, any better from here right now. Um, thank you for giving me this time. Thank you. Nicholas, welcome. Uh, hello, uh, sorry, good evening, Council. I guess it is evening now. Um, oh, geez, I don't, okay. <laughs> I thought I only had 16 seconds there for a second. Um, first off, I wanted to, um, like Amal, I wanted to thank you all for um, giving a hybrid option for these meetings. Um, I'm in a similar situation where, um, given my um, childcare responsibilities, um, I would not be able to attend these meetings in any capacity other than to watch them online. So I do, in fact, appreciate that, despite I'm despite regularly criticizing you all for the things you do. Um, and with that in mind, um, I would also like to thank the Mayor Pro Tem for um, advocating for, like, thinking a lot more systemically about childcare needs in the county. And I don't think it's inappropriate at all to try and bring these things up in joint entities meetings. We do need to be thinking more broadly about these issues because, Frankly, childcare is a huge hassle, as, as I and many others know. Um, but the thing that I wanted to speak most specifically on was in reference to something that um, Councillor Thomas said during the work session about thinking more systemically with regards to sort of the interrelation between transit, uh, housing, uh, basically a whole host of issues, because this council historically has had a very real problem of looking at any individual item on, say, a given council agenda and thinking about solely that item. Um, this is a huge bugaboo for me. Um, I have addressed you all, although in a different composition before, on precisely this issue. I believe it was in regards to the first consideration for the IWV Road <clears throat> uh, project that you, this council has said many times in the past that you need to think more systemically about how you're doing development, like what long-term planning needs are and so forth. And yet when it comes time to actually make decisions about individual projects, that sort of systemic thinking kind of flies out the window. And I want to push back on something that actually the mayor said, because you can't shunt these issues exclusively to these strategic planning meetings, because we've seen what results if you do that, where 
then you make a determination on a completely ad hoc basis whether or not you know given project conforms to x or y plan and then that's it there's no sense of you know needing to do outreach or sort of like actively soliciting projects or sort of when you're actually looking at a given project thinking about say the negative ramifications it might have for other goals that you have and so I really want to applaud Councillor Thomas, and I think you should all listen to him and really take to heart what he has said, because what he is advocating for and what he wants you all to do is really what the city should have been doing 10 years ago. Um, because if you had, maybe we wouldn't be in the housing crisis that we have right now. And so, like I said, I just wanted to put a, a button on that. Again, thank uh, the Mayor Pro Tem for her statements earlier and thank you all for hybrid meetings and that's it thank you thank you i see no other hands online anyone in the public welcome hello my name is noah um yes uh sorry Yes, um, last meeting, well last, the first work session of this year, I had to sit through the, the meeting where y'all were talking about making up new rules or whatever. And I will first of all say, I'm glad that most of you are against arresting me and others who come up and to speak. And I guess thank you for that, for not wanting people who use their voice to be arrested. Thank you. Um, so there's that. But uh, to set the record straight, the um, disruptions that have occurred at this meeting, past meetings, have been me and others coming up here to talk about, I'm talking about to have hybrid meetings so people don't have the rest of their lives to come here, which I'm glad we finally have. I'm not going to thank y'all because you should have done that months ago, but I'm glad it's happening finally now that we get hybrid meetings. But um, yes. Demanding housing and accessibility will never, cannot be considered disruptions to like, that's not a disruption. If you think that's disruptive, that me saying you need to provide housing for people is disruptive, you need to search in your own heart and think what's wrong with it. <laughs> you could think of like that somehow, like a, a, something that could be wrong. There's no, absolutely nothing wrong with people demanding housing for people who need it. I have friends whose lives are literally at risk that last, the last meeting of 2021 when there was the winter break show that we very luckily in Iowa City did not get badly affected by. Now further west they got in Nebraska and Des Moines and they, you could, they, they got a lot worse. We just got lucky that we didn't actually get it bad in this city. My friends' lives were literally at stake and I spoke over time, oh no. The city did nothing to protect them, and you should. And there's still have been done anything. There's no emergency plan for housing people. You know, no, no one. I've emailed y'all about that. No one emailed me back about if the city has a plan for when there's adverse events happening for giving shelter to people when there's no shelter. Um, also, some other serious problems. The shelter house, the, even though with the winter shelter is finally open, is terrible outreach. I, when I was doing lunches, the houses people, I talked to four houses people literally five minutes away from the, from the winter shelter, and all four of them told me they didn't even know the winter shelter was open. This was like a week after. 
No, I think it was more than a week after. It was, it was last Thursday that I talked to them, and they, none of four people, none of them knew that the winter shelter was open. It's, there's it's lots going Thank wrong. Thank you. You fix that. Thank you. Online, I see Taylor, followed by Dan. Welcome, Taylor. Um, yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Taylor Cohn. Um, uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to organize my thoughts, so sorry if this is a little shuffle. But um, I just wanted to back up everything the other commenters have said so far. Um, and I hope you really appreciate that um, people are talking to you and are telling you what it's like uh, to actually live in this community. Um, outside of your own experience. That's really crucial um, to the work you're doing and you should value it a lot and you shouldn't be trying to put punitive you know, things in place um, in case they do it in a way that makes you feel bad or makes you have to stay here longer. Um, uh, so I, I would urge you when you're thinking about like meeting protocols or something um, uh, to not have any kind of um, consequences for for people not being germane or, or whatever that's just not this should not be a priority to you and i would especially caution you to stay away from imitating the city of des moines in that respect um that is a very bad idea um they're committing like first amendment violations over there you should not be looking at them as a model um you should not be using violence in any way against your constituents. Um, and I also wanted to address um, the winter shelter. Um, I'm so, so glad that that became a priority a couple weeks ago and was open. But why was it not a priority before then? Um, this is not any kind of attack on the organization that um, that you you know contract with or, or whatever it is you do. Um, the fact of the matter is that they were not able to pull this off and your constituents suffered, your unhoused residents suffered. And there was a long time where it was, you know, maybe a warm December for you where you, you know, can go inside your home, but um, to sleep in outside, why was, why was there no shelter? Why didn't, why didn't someone say, oh my gosh, 911, we need to open one of our many public buildings to have an emergency space so that people are not in the cold. Why is there no, like, it, it's not that difficult to have something in place that's redundant. Um, even if it's just on an ad hoc basis, like it, there's, if, if a winter shelter is not open, it should have been everyone's priority to drop everything and get that open. Um, and it's, it's not a matter of pointing fingers at whose fault it is. Um, it's just the simple fact that the, the city government is supposed to provide basic services so that residents can survive. And that didn't happen this year. So now that the shelter is open and people have a place to go, can you, can you please think about how you can make sure this never happens again? Never. And I know two of you are new welcome can you prioritize this in your time can, as you as you're figuring out what you're gonna what you're gonna do on this council can we make sure this never happens again please thank you thank you welcome dan hi can you all hear me yes hi um so uh good evening council and i would like to start by saying thank you for having hybrid meetings i'm in quarantine at the moment because america can be dumb but uh, i guess that's where we're at um so i would like to comment about meeting protocols um i just have uh, something quick i would like to say um to council and mr mayor councillor weiner mayor pro tem all the people who are working on coming up with the city's response to these to new protocols um please just consider tactics of de-escalation or just the way i mean because it seems like the city and mr mayor it's zero to 100 i mean there's 
there's something there's definite alternatives between just saying hey can you please stop talking to hey we're gonna arrest you so i would just like to um have you all keep that in mind and i would also like to comment about the joint entities meeting um i think that because with the issue of the mrap and armored vehicles i think that might be a good discussion with the county to have about their usage of the MRAP at that time. I would also like to say that I think there should probably be a council work session regarding armored vehicles because the Iowa City Police Department has been using the um, Boylan County Bearcat. And I don't know if what the details are, are about that, if we're giving money to the Lynn County Sheriff's Department for the usage or what that what that looks like, but like that's pretty concerning. And I think that council deserves answers to that and just know what's going on and the public does. And I think now is the time, the ball is in the court of the city for you all to make a definite judgment about armored vehicles. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else in the public, anyone else on Zoom would like to speak? Welcome. I'll have you speak first, and then when you're done, there's a sign-in. But you can speak now. I'll have you come speak. Sure. And then after you're done, you can sign in. Okay. Welcome. Please state your name and what city you're from. Uh, my name's Dave Moore, and I'm from Iowa City. If uh, Let me ask you. It's three minutes. If, I, if my reading glasses fog up, can I lower this slightly, or do you want me to keep it up? You're, you're fine to take it off as long as people are six feet okay, away great. from you. Um. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor and the rest of council. Um, I want to talk about the mill for a minute, and I don't want to be perceived as somebody who's um, pursuing, pursuing lost causes or trivial matters. Um, this may be a narrow path to putting the actual mill location back on our plates again as a community asset, but it's certainly not a trivial matter. Um, I want to just explain, and, and I'm sure most of you know about this, but that if the mayor unilaterally, Mr. Teague, or maybe possibly it's constable, if you were to put this, if you were to call a spe special meeting this week, and I guess it would have to be this week, because I think the demo is scheduled for Monday, this, a week from today, or t yesterday. If you were to put a special meeting if you were to hold one to consider whether um, this the mill has historic status, then four out of city seven city councilors could decide if they did agree with that that they would send this that they would declare a, hub, a, a public hearing sometime. That's the process. I think you call a special meeting and then you do a four out of, so you have a discussion, you do a four out of seven vote as to whether to have a public hearing as to the status of the mill. And that in itself this week, I believe, would put the demolition on hold for 60 days. So I'm, I'm just urging you to consider this sort of out of the box thing. And um, this is, my notes are just from an email that I sent to a friend when he asked me what's going on with the mill today. So if they're a little scattered, that's it, okay. Um, this building, you know, that has given so much, I'm going to go fast because I don't know where my three minutes are here, you know. It's over there. 
okay. This is like in a uh, wrestling match or something is what it reminds me of. But I'm not here to wrestle. Okay. Okay, so the building that has given so much to so many is, is, is kind of going down without so much as a whimper, except if you look at social media, you'll see whether it's uh, Little Village or any other website that people are hurting deeply about this, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people all over the country, and especially here, they're really hurting. Um, I think uh, someone said it best that they thought that everybody thought somebody else was taking care of this. And COVID, of course, contributed to that. Um, thank you. Was that three minutes? Yes. Jesus. Yep. yep. Thank you, though. God, I haven't even started. Yep. Can I come back after? After? No. No. Yep. Well, but I thank thought the you. forty-two seconds was I was forty-two seconds in. No, it was it was three minutes given. Oh, okay. Yep. So can the I person have... behind you can come forth at this point. Mr. Teague, can I? Can I? Go an extra minute? Is that possible no. with so little? No. I'd like to tell you the reasons why, if possible. No. Okay. But thank you, though. Well, I'll have the person behind you come. Thank you. Welcome. Hi. My name is Chris Carmen, and I'm a uh, resident of Iowa City, and I'm also here to speak about the mill. Um, uh, and sort of to echo something Dave said, this is not an effort, effort to, to villainize anyone, uh, including the developer, but just uh, thinking about the historic, historic significance of the mill, certainly as a cultural asset and, and resource in our community uh, for 60 years, first in one location in the downtown and then uh, 50 years in the current location. And, um, it's, and to me, it's an example of living history. It's not something that happened 100 years ago, but it's something that uh, if you were to take a poll of Iowa City residents, uh, I think probably you know, a, a large number would have a, uh, an emotional and social connection with the mill, whether they went there to hear a politician speak who was running for, for president or uh, to be part of some sort of organization that was meeting there or to, you know, to hear Dave Moore or uh, Greg Brown or uh, any, you know, uh, any, anyone else in our rich uh, musical uh, culture here. And um, so, you know, I, I know that, it, that it's uh, a challenge to think about doing something at this point, uh, but at very least, uh, I'd, I'd say that it's, uh, it's worth giving local citizens a chance to, to have uh, some input uh, to you know, to go through a process process of historic review, and then you know, for an objective body to weigh the pros and cons. But but uh, but I think that uh, it would be it would be a, a sign an act of of uh, paying attention to the, to the concerns of uh, local citizens, and at very least, I'd I'd encourage the uh, the council to, to uh, think about the mill as an object lesson. Uh, even if nothing can reverse what's already uh, in process now, how, how as a community do we, do we preserve these, uh, these pockets of, these important pockets of culture, uh, especially when, when it's a, a, a private business that has, you know, a significant community benefit, uh, you know, and so there are special considerations, I think, in, in these situations, but that's well worth, uh, you know, 
uh, before we lose all of this uh, sort of grassroots uh, culture that's, uh, you know, that uh, is very much part of the fabric of Iowa City, uh, is there some sort of uh, process for stepping back and saying, you know, these, in, uh, these are, maybe there's a definition for what this uh, cultural uh, historic uh, significance is and how it can be preserved. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to address an item that is not on our agenda? Seeing no one, we're on to item number 10, which is planning and zoning matters. Item number 10A is rezoning IWV Road Southwest. An ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 53.36 acres from county agricultural to intensive commercial, approximately 17.03 acres from county agricultural to interim development commercial, and approximately nine acres from rural residential to intensive commercial for land located west of the intersection of IWV Road Southwest and Slothower Road. Can I get a motion to pass and adopt, please? So moved, Burgess. Second alter. Would anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand. If you're in public, please step to the mic. Welcome. Thank you. John Marner with MMS Consultants representing the applicant. I'd just like to take a quick moment to thank council, uh, the members that have participated in the past discussions uh, to consider this matter. and. I'm available for any other questions. I understand there's two new council members and I'm available for any questions if there are any from those members. Thank you. Anyone online? I see no hands. Council discussion? Roll call, please. Burgess? Yes. Armson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Alter? Yes. Motion passed to seven to zero. Item number 11, we're gonna have uh, Councilor Burgess recruit herself. Item number 11 is proposed South District Self-Supported Municipal Improvement District. This is an ordinance amending Title III, Finance, Taxation, and Fees of the City Code to add a new chapter to establish the South District Self-Supported Municipal Improvement District pursuit to the provisions of Chapter 386, Code of Iowa, and providing for the establishment of an operation fund and levy of an annual tax in connection therewith. Could I get a motion to pass and adopt? So moved. Second, Thomas. Moved by Weiner, seconded by Thomas. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? Please step up to the mic if you're, in the, if you're here in person. And we have a hand raised on, on Zoom. Welcome, Nicholas. Uh, hello again, Council. Um, I haven't had a chance to address this issue when it has been on the Council agenda in the past due to lack of hybrid meetings, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to rehash that issue. Um, I did get a chance recently to speak to a couple of the organizers responsible for um, putting the SMID. And okay, actually, can I? This is, this is going to sound really silly, but I do have to get it off my chest. Uh, there's no H. In SMID, can we please not say Schmid? 
Sounds very strange to me. Maybe that's just a petty thing, but I, whatever. Anyway, I had a chance to talk to uh, some organizers who worked on the proposal, and I was actually really impressed by the differences between this uh, proposal and the, the downtown district that it's modeled on. Um, but the thing is, a lot of what happened with the downtown district and also the effects that all of those sort of like development priorities had on the near areas around downtown, especially with regards to housing, um, the businesses that left, and also the transformations of the Ped Mall from what used to be sort of like, you know, a commons for a lot of people who, you know, live in the city into the, I guess you could say resort that it is now. Um, I was impressed by the fact that the the organizers themselves are really sort of conscientious about involving residents in the planning process. Um, but the reason why I'm addressing you all about this is because a lot of what happened with the downtown district was at the behest of the city. And I know when it comes to sort of the, the gentrification effects that could possibly result, um, not just with the, the South District SMID, but also the sort of the, the, the larger sort of form-based code issue in the South District, and also the way in which the city clearly wants to gentrify that part of town. Um, I think it's really important to honor the, the wishes and the desires of the people who put this proposal together, that the city actually stand out of the way of that, and also to how should I put this, not impose upon <laughs> Angie Jordan and the others sort of an impossible situation in which they have to sort of advocate for the existence of this improvement district, while at the same time also <laughs> implicitly advocating for the sort of the gentrification effects that the city clearly wants to have on the south side. And so that is all on you to be extremely conscientious about that and not to impose upon that part of town, which has historically been very socioeconomically diverse, a, well, what's already happening? It's becoming much more, it's becoming much richer, it's becoming much wider. Um, and if you don't think very conscientiously about how those effects happen and how the city is complicit in them, then I have a feeling that it's going to go the same way of sort of the, the so-called core neighborhoods. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Good evening. Uh, my name is Eleanor Levin. I have commented on this previously, so I'm just going to say a couple of things very quickly. One is that I'd like to clarify that the organizers and the residents of the South District SMID are the same people. This SMID came from the residents and from the current business owners, and those are the people driving it. Those are the people working on it week to week. Those are the people working behind the scenes to make sure that it's successful. And really, that's all I have to say today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Anyone else, else like to address this topic? Welcome. Hello, my name is Noah. Um, and I'll have to say is uh, uh, practically 99.99% .99 of the time, the capital business owners, uh, such as those lots of capital acts, contrary to the interests of the residents, so I mean that's, anyways. Um, so yeah, um, this city, as I've said, previous needs to, if they're going to have this, have guidelines to control their cops, so the cops don't do what they do when you gentrify, just push out the people. Finally, especially the houseless folks, because it's, it's already happening on the south side. It's happened more and more of this. So control your cops. It's, 
order them to stop having to from harassing the houseless people folks Oh yes, also um, pass an ordinance to prohibit Iowa City cops from driving an MRAP around in the south side or any side, anywhere. Like no, no ICPD cops driving any military vehicles. Ban that. You can do that. Do it. Last year you all talked about how you were against militarized police, yet we still have militarized police. They still use the military, military vehicles. They used. They had. They, used, they had the military vehicle that night when they committed war crimes against your residents, the residents of the city. The MRAP was there when that happened. Which would make sense that weapon of war would be there when they're committing war crimes, but you also do something about that. So you have a lot. You have a bit of control over what, how you control your cops. Obviously, there's the state law stuff that makes it harder for stuff, but stuff like that, you can very easily control what the equipment they use. They don't need an MRAP. They don't need Bearcat. They don't need any of that. They don't need to be using any of that, and you should ban them from using any of that. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? Seeing no one. Council discussion. Just want to underscore what Ms. Levin said that it seemed it's been a, um, and I think you, Mayor Pro Tem, know, know this because you're probably part of it. This, this has truly been a, an effort of the residents um, to put this together and push it forward, and I'm really happy to see it come to fruition. Mm -hmm. I would just like to add and commend. Uh, Angie Jordan and Eleanor and um, Tasha Laird um, and a number of other resident organizers who actually worked very hard and went back to businesses and nonprofits who are also signed on to do this. It is very true that any SMID that is created is created by those who are in the area. Um, but there was initially quite a bit of resistance by property owners who did not want to buy into this. Um, once persistence and explanation and education occurred, um, that this can be something that is eminently shapeable by the by the people who live there and own property there, um, then you really started to see a slow change in people buying into it. And this is entirely due to uh, the persistence of the residents in that area and um, who very much want to um, strengthen and fortify the neighborhood and the area while still retaining its own character. And um, I just think that it's a real boon to the area. I'm super excited to have this uh, be on our agenda tonight as the pass and adopt. Uh, and I'm not gonna repeat all the thank, you, thank yous, but uh, the South District Neighborhood Association and individuals within the South District has uh, really been impressive um, in so many facets, and, and this is just one way of the community coming together and um, actually um, creating an avenue through conversation and um, relationship building to be here with this proposal today. 
So happy to vote in favor of it. If no more comments, roll call, please. Harmson. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Weiner. Yes. Alter. Yes. Motion passes six to zero with one recusal. All right, and we are on to item number 12, which is CPRB expand membership. This is the ordinance amending the Title VIII entitled Police Regulations, Chapter 8 entitled Community Police Review Board to increase the composition of the board from five members to seven members. This is second consideration. Can I get a motion, please? So moved, Thomas. Second, Taylor. All right. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If so, please step to the mic or raise your hand online. Yep. And I'll have you come forth first, first, and then you can sign in once you're done. Okay, cool. Welcome. I'm Bridget. Um, I just want to address like what the cops are doing specifically about like sexual assault victims. Um, personally, I submitted mine in October, and I followed up with it multiple times, and they haven't contacted me, and they kept saying four to six weeks. Um, but again, like I submitted mine in October, um, so just like it's a, definitely a good thing for closure. So just wondering if you could look into that. Like they're just their process, like not just for me, but just like for everyone and my parents. So yeah. Thank you. Anyone online in the public? Welcome. Hello. Um, so yeah, just pretty much said last time, um, instead of have it so no former cops ever on the police review, re review board since cops, former cops, are of course going to find their fellow cops, cop folks that, um, that they didn't commit offenses. I mean, that's that's how it goes. We all know this, uh, are aware of how it works when cops or former cops investigate current cops. And of course, they're not gonna find any wrong doing with them. The overwhelming majority of, of the time, that's why this review uh, board never does anything regardless. I think like even more like cop supporting folks on there is going to do anything to change it when this board just they couldn't even condemn war crimes and you think you need to have more cops more more supportive cops on this board it's supposed to be ruining the cops it's asinine to me um also just speak a little more about uh, the police problem um and having uh, having currently the first response to mental health crisis to send cops and then possibly have the mental health after so, 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 so still have first responders be cops mental health crisis that is an absolutely terrible 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 way to do things that's how you get people killed someone as who has luckily not had the cops show up on many times in my life when i've had i've had my more than my fair share of mental health crises that cops in 911 could have been called to and i i really doubt i'd be alive here today if the cops had responded to some of those must have a mental health crisis and when people like me neurodivergent people especially we don't get along with cops these cops don't 
know how to deal with us. And ICPD does not know how to de-escalate. When I film ICPD, almost every single time I get cops getting mad at me for filming them. They get in my face, they're like threatening to arrest me because I'm filming them. And yet these people are supposed to be de-escalating situations and responding to mental health crises and you think that's not gonna harm people? Again, asinine. Um, fix that. <laughs> you know how you've been told like multiple times by many different people how to change that, but you haven't done anything. Time to do something about that. Thank you. Welcome, Dan. Hi. Um, so regarding the um, the CPRB or whatever the acronym is, I'm sorry, um, the Citizens Police Review Board. So this was a board that recently declared that the June 3rd tear gassing was justified and that there was still no um, misconduct which occurred that night. Anybody who was there that night knows that misconduct occurred. People who were just sitting or kneeling on the ground with their hands in the air were just were repeatedly shot with rubber bullets and they were tear gassed. Now, the composition of this current board was to declare that those war crimes justified, right? I don't know if there are any current or former ICPD officers on the department. But I do know that if you added the officers from that department, they would be inclined to say, hey, this was justified. Because, I mean, anybody who's ever seen a cop movie knows that cops don't screw over other cops. I mean, I've heard people who've been on the Iowa City Police Review Board, Citizens Police Review Board, talk about how hard it is, even without the presence of cops, to... to to try to impugn police officers because people just want to um, let them do whatever they do. And I know that on other boards, former police officers are very much like that. So, I mean, it's, it, this is about the efficacy of the police review board and the process. And frankly, I think that letting any former ICPD officer join the board would taint that efficacy be them out of the department two years, five years. Personally, I think any number of years should disqualify them from reviewing other officers. I mean, we know how it works. And I think if you talk to any former members of the board, they would agree. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? Welcome, Taylor. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, I just wanted to chime in and also say that um, you should not have cops on this board. It is a conflict of interest. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? Seeing no one. Council discussion. Roll call, please. Actually, I do have a question. Um, one of the things that I know has been brought up about 
the need for police presence on the board or a membership is because there's often process that can be explained um, and, and that there is a perspective from having a career in law enforcement. Uh, because I do remember also, it's not necessarily that it needs to be a police officer, but someone within law enforcement. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um, thank you for that clarification. Um, one of the things that I will admit uh, I've been thinking about, though, is is there a need for that police officer, or sorry, after I just got it clarified, for that law enforcement officer to have a vote? I don't know, and I apologize because I have not seen the, the minutes um, other than having scanned them, so that, that discussion may have already well been had at the commission level. Um, so I just, I want to put that out there because I do think it's important to have sort of someone who can sort of walk through um, a certain perspective given a situation um, that I think that that can be helpful um, but I was wondering about the, is there a need for a vote a voting membership uh, currently I could tell you the the chief of police or designee attends all of the meetings and so he can provide that perspective uh, with the exception of the moments in which they adjourn to executive session then the chief does not go into executive session uh, I'd want to talk with the city attorney's office and and explore that concept of whether somebody could go into that executive session without a vote. Um, I'll see if you have thoughts on that. Sure. Um, just as you and Kelly, for example, go into an executive session with the city council, um, that person could be invited invited in, yes. But right now, all members have a vote, so you would have to, uh, have, to have a... Substantive change to uh, the ordinance um, to prohibit um, if that if you don't want anybody with any law enforcement experience because that's currently in the code and has been from the beginning, you'd have to make that uh, <coughs> amendment. So, but you certainly could. And I recognize too that the commission themselves voted on this and agreed uh, unanimously. So, um, I'm not posing that to throw a wrench in the works or to um, go against what members of the board who are currently on it are saying is simply a point that I don't think that we had been raised before or at least um, I, I, it was a point of confusion for me. Well, I'll, I'll say that when I first heard that, um, and I think it was in Corville, where they were getting their CPRB together and um, they wanted law enforcement apart. That was a part of the initial discussion. And I was on the, under the, um, in the thought process that that was not a good idea. Um, as I began to speak to various people, including the NAACP here in Iowa, um, I came to the conclusion that, you know, these are the, um, you know, the CPR review board members, and they're making the request. Um, it could always be changed. I think this council, um, it is our duty to look at all of it. Um, and so I did get, you know, I am comfortable moving forward with it. I do think that if something should change, um, the council has every right to come back and redraw how we wrote this. 
Certainly. And as a recent former commission member, that was sort of what was guiding my um, comment about not wanting to go against the commission. Um, I think I may be where you were at, Mr. Mayor, um, that I find it some pro somewhat problematic, um, even recognizing that they're one vote of many. Um, that said, I also want to put faith in the commission members um, having been on a commission, not the same one, but um, the notion that we appoint people to carry out in-depth conversations and to really look at different issues that come before them. Um, it grants them sort of a body of experience and of knowledge that um, I wanted to at least state out here that my hesitation or my question was not to question their judgment per se because they are in the thick of it. Um, but I did have to say as someone who is new to this that the notion of having um, someone in law enforcement on a board that reviews the police seemed sort of at odds with one another. So I just wanted to sort of say here's both sides of it for me uh, and I appreciate um, the license to process that. Mm -hmm. And the council can also waive that requirement at the time of appointment, right? As long as we have, um, if we agree on that, we don't have to uh, appoint a, anyone with law enforcement expertise. And it hasn't always been a police officer. I know we had um, an attorney who had actually, I think, prosecuted <laughs> police misconduct in the past, had sort of filled that law enforcement spot on the board before. All right, roll call please. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Armston? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item number 13 is Farmers Market Insurance Ordinance amending Title 10 of the City Code and Title Use of Public Ways and Property. Chapter 11 entitled Farmers Market to require all vendors to carry insurance. This is first consideration. Could I get a motion, please? So moved, Burgess. Second, Alter. All right. Um, we'll have Jeff kind of... Yeah, just uh, briefly, briefly cover this one. So this is uh, being done after just kind of typical reviews of our um, risk management uh, operations, farmer's market operations. We currently only require liability insurance for those that are grilling out on the street um, uh, during those farmers markets. Um, it's, it's certainly best practice and what we found to be common in, in comparable farmers markets that the vendors also inside the market carry a, a, a very common general liability po uh, policy. Um, so this would be a, an ordinance change to require um, that insurance requirement. Um, again, some of the cities that have similar requirements here in Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Cedar Falls, Des Moines, Bettendorf, Sioux City. Uh, we didn't do a comprehensive review of all cities, but we, we wanted to make sure we weren't asking for something that wasn't um, um, uh, standard in other uh, comparable size markets. So I can try to answer any questions um, that, you, that you have tonight. Jeff, do you have any idea of most, if most of these vendors carry insurance anyway and we're just not aware of it? Um, and the second, the second part of my question is, there, do we think that this is going to 
push out any smaller vendors? Well, th I, those are two very good questions. I, and I think um, the answer to your first question is probably some of them carry it, because um, we know we have vendors that might vend, for example, up in Cedar Rapids. Um, so um, I would say some probably carry it. Your larger, more established vendors um, may do that. Um, depending on where else they vend and, and uh, what other insurance, you know, they may um, be pursuing on their own. Um, would it push thing, push folks out? That's certainly not the intended um, um, a consequence of this action. It's something we'll have to, to um, watch closely. And if we do see that we have vendors that can't make payments, we may have to try to explore some some programs to assist them, whether that's fee waivers on on the stalls, you know, they're currently making payments to, to be a vendor. Um, we'll have to look at that a little bit, but but I think it's a I think it's a really smart idea to require that insurance and then figure out if there's unintended consequences how to mitigate those. Thanks. Uh, I would think to uh, a conversation uh, that we had, just kind of explaining who is not covered by this and who would still be exempt. Um, if you could share that with the public. Yeah, so these are they're really looking at the vendors. Uh, if you are, uh, well, some of you have campaigned and you go out to the farmer's market. Um, if you have a child that's been uh, a part of the uh, Kids Day market or you're just out there uh, passing along information, which is very common in our markets, you wouldn't be required. These are, these are the actual vendors that are selling uh, goods on a regular basis at our market. Thank you. Any other questions? Great. Um, public comment, and if you're online, raise your hand, and if you're in person, just come up. Welcome. Hello, my name is Noah, and uh, I share the same uh, concern as you, Janice, about the pushing out smaller uh, producers, people. So, like, to make if you are going to have the insurance, I don't have probably the idea to have insurance, um, but if they are going to have that requirement to have it so it doesn't hurt small producers and people who don't like do it they just like do it on this side they're just like it's not so how so this is you're not pushing out people who the unintended consequences type thing like you're saying so just make sure that if you're doing that to actually include that with there so then to do it uh now instead of reacting to that to do more preactive instead of reactive so that's I, I honestly I don't know exactly what you would do when you were talking, Jeff. But like so you said, you may sound like a, like we'll see what's happening like once it happens. The problem with that is you're already gonna have like the negative effects. But and then if you're reacting to that, but you should be proactive with that and it, for the insurance, have the insurance and have the programs already in place so people aren't discouraged away from it. So you already have it, so it doesn't you don't have those unintended consequences. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? If online, please raise your hand. Seeing no one, council discussion. I just wanna say thank you for doing the research of the comparable cities uh, that was, was just starting to jot that out as a question and you answered it in advance, so. Um, incredibly helpful for us to sort of see context-wise how um, common this is uh, so that to comments points about being proactive it's also that this is not some kind of um, likely will not become a surprise uh, that this 
is going to be introduced potentially uh, for the vendors. And um, I just echo that, um, yeah, if we sort of keep in mind some of the smaller vendors who may struggle a little bit that we um, work to, to keep them a part of the farmer's market here in Iowa City. I, I have no doubt that if our staff finds some challenges with individuals that um, we will navigate that and, and make sure that people still have the opportunity to, to be a part. The one thing I will uh, say, insurance, even though I, none of us like to pay it, I would assume, <laughs> but it, it really is for your protection. So if something should happen um, and someone gets sued, a vendor, um, then they have some protection and it, you know, uh, potentially won't go into uh, causing them much financial heartbreak. So insurances are there for a reason, and I think this is the right step. That's a good point. Thank you. All right. Roll call, please. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Weiner. Yes. Alter. Yes. Burgess. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Motion passed to 7 to 0. Number 14, Downtown SMID Amendment, Ordinance Amending Title III, Finance, Taxation, and Fees, Chapter 7, Iowa City Downtown Self-Supported Municipal Improvement District, Section 4, Operation Fund of the City Code to confirm to the amendments in Iowa Code Chapter 386 regarding multi-residential properties. This is first consideration. Could I get a motion, please? So moved, Thomas. Second, Weiner. And I'll invite Jeff back up. Uh, uh, just real quick, the intent with this ordinance is to maintain status quo. Um, and uh, the change that's happening that's prompting this ordinance is at the state level. We talked actually quite a bit about it on, on your budget uh, Saturday. We have those multi-residential properties that are being reclassified as residential as part of that 2013 property tax reform. The downtown Schmid collects the Schmid tax on... Um, the multi-residential properties, but it does not collect on residential. So as the state um, was going through this transition, this, uh, this kind of oversight was recognized. The state now allows for, form, if you were formerly classified as multi-residential, for you to continue to pay into that Schmid. So this ordinance would allow us to continue to collect those Schmid dollars for the downtown district on those multi-residential properties that soon will be residential. Sorry if that's a little confusing, but again, the intent is to maintain status quo. If you were already paying into the downtown Schmidt, you'll continue to. If you weren't, you will continue not to. Okay, great. Any questions? No? Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If online, please raise your hand. Seeing no one, council discussion. I'm just glad it's something they didn't try and take away from us at the same time as they took. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the change the, the, the title, the prop, kind of property. Yeah, I, I actually agree with this <laughs> move from the state. So, yeah. Roll call, please. Thomas. Yes. Weiner. Yes. Alter. Yes. Burgess. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Motion passed to seven to zero. Item number 15 is Dover Street traffic calming. Resolution authorizing the installation of speed bumps on Dover Street 
between Perry Court and Muscatine Avenue. Can I get a motion to approve, please? So moved, Weiner. Second, Harmson. All right, and welcome, Kent. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good evening, Mayor Council. Kent Ralston, Transportation Planner. Uh, as the mayor mentioned, the item before you is a resolution authorizing the installation of speed humps on Dover Street between Perry Court and Muscatine Avenue. Uh, quickly, by way of background, the residents of Dover Street have successfully completed the city of Iowa City's traffic calming program uh, based on traffic speeds. Uh, staff discussed traffic calming with the residents of Dover Street at a meeting held back in October uh, of last year, where the consensus of residents who attended the meeting was to move forward with the request for speed humps and then survey uh, themselves, essentially. Uh, then about a week later, on October 27th, a survey was sent to residential properties along Dover Street to measure support for the speed humps. And in all, 24 households returned uh, their survey postcards, uh, representing a 61% response rate. And then all of the 24 postcards received by the deadline indicated support for the proposed uh, speed humps, which obviously represents 100% uh, in favor of that. Uh, note there were two postcards arrived after the deadline. Uh, one was for and one was for, uh, against the proposal. Uh, the other thing I would add is that it's also important to note that prior to engaging with the neighborhood, staff reviews uh, the speed data and street context with the city engineer, uh, the streets department, and the police and fire departments. And the consensus of the committee was that speed humps were the most safe and effective means for lowering speeds in the neighborhood. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. So does this end up being, it, it sounded like from one of the letters, or one of the emails that we received, that this ends up being used essentially as an escape route for some people who, wanna, who, who don't want to stay on the main Right, so this is a north-south oriented street for those that aren't familiar, um, and it happens to ultimately connect Friendship uh, down to Muscatine, so it is sort of a cut through for a lot of folks. Uh, also, Willowin School is, is in the same stretch of Dover, so this is the part north of Muscatine, not south. That's correct. Yeah, I was gonna add, that's in my neighborhood, and actually some of my kids' friends live on that street, so I've driven on that a lot of times. Um, when the Scott Boulevard project was going on, I know the traffic among their street as well as another street that I live on really picked up, and so a lot of people were cutting through a lot more. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is a, the, the speed bumps make sense. That's a really busy piece of, with between the Southeast Junior High being a couple blocks away, two elementary schools within a block of that, um, Dover Street in general, the whole length there is, um, you know, is, is really busy at certain points of the day. So, yeah, good. yeah, I agree. And what's interesting about Dover, if you were to drive down it, it feels like a street that would not have high speeds. It's uh, not particularly wide. It has parking on both sides. We've sort of done everything we can uh, at this point, but the speed data does show that there is still a, a problem. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If so, please come at this time and raise your hand online. Seeing no one, council discussion. I appreciate the comments we received. We did get some letters on uh, both sides uh, of this issue, and it, it certainly showed that things can be seen differently by different people. Uh, but I think the um, game changer for me was the most recent letter uh, or correspondence that we received uh, just the other day uh, from someone who lives on there and has seen, actually seen accidents and, and uh, watched people uh, who were apparently uh, exceeding the speed limit. And I think that was kind of a decision maker for me that uh, if this is needed. If no other comments, roll call, please. Weiner. 
Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Could I get a motion to accept correspondence? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes seven to zero. All right. We are on to item number 16, which, which is announcement of vacancies new. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. Civil Service Commission, one vacancy to fill a four-year term, April 5th through uh, April 5th, 2022 through April 6, 2026. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. on February 22nd, 2022. N item number 17 is announcement of vacancies previous. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. Housing and Community Development Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. February 8th, 2022. Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment, one vacancy to fill a five-year term. Airport Zoning Commission, Iowa City Representative, one vacancy to fill a six-year term. Board of Appeals Building Design Professional, one vacancy to fill a five-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, East College Street, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Jefferson Street, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Housing and Community Development Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Senior Center Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. And vacancies will remain open until filled. We are at item number 18, and we're going to invite USG to speak to us. And welcome back. Class has started. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was my first thing that I was going to say, actually. Um, yeah, it's our first day of classes today. And um, one of our biggest concerns and most um, apparent concerns at the moment has been the concerning lack of COVID protocols on campus for this semester. Um, UIWA is currently ranking last in Big Ten COVID protection policies. And the city thus must take help take aggressive action to help address this issue. Um, the, that being said, the Welcome Center at the IMU does provide, or and student health locations in the IMU um, and Westlawn, uh, as well as in resident halls, all have COVID um, uh, test kits available this semester, and students um, may also consider requesting a free COVID-19 test for pickup or mail delivery, delivery through Test Iowa. There's also a limited supplies of K95 masks on limited locations on campus. I've been noticing them a lot in um, like our Tippy business school and whatnot. Um, but uh, USG members are also attending or will be attending the Association of Big Ten Students at the end of January uh, to discuss uh, fraternity and sorority life, food insecurity, and mental health and wellness. We are excited to be um, working to address all these topics with council as well and are excited to continue that work. Um, we are still seeking feedback on our Homeless Week survey um, in order to inform uh, future discussions. Um, a link uh, will be provided to you all again in the email that I will be sending out. Um, and 
yeah, that will, that will be all. Um, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you and hope you enjoyed your time away <laughs> and the rest of the students. And now it's time to get back to work. <laughs> all right, item number 19 is city council information and updates, community events, that type stuff. Um, but the, further to Sam Jarvis earlier, um, if anybody, anybody can go online now, it was launched a day early, and go to the website covidtests.gov and order four rapid COVID tests to be sent to your home for free. Um, so that, that was just launched today. Um, and otherwise participated and appreciated the city's sponsorship of the MLK events yesterday, heard your, your voice recorded. Um, some some uh, really good events that were pretty COVID safe, I thought. So. Following actually on your heels about COVID, um, I got an email from the school district that they um, are doing a vaccination clinic for 12 year olds and up at Tate on the 23rd, uh, 24th, I'm sorry, and then also at Kirkwood Elementary on the 25th. So for those who are eligible, it just came out today at about 4.30 or so. I do wanna mention, um, as I started out this evening, uh, talking about the life of Dr. King and just that um, commemoration that uh, we do annually. And I, I think it's very important for us as a community to continue to do that. Um, and happy that it was done in some fashion um, both uh, there was a hybrid option for people so that was great to uh, still have that available here locally uh, I want to remind people that uh, as we, you've been hearing COVID is off the rails a little bit um, and I think that uh, wearing masks as we know that's one way that we can do it um, I'm tired of it everybody here that I know is tired of it but when you're getting together in family gatherings, um, it might feel a little awkward at first. Um, but for me, it's almost like a security blanket now where I just don't, don't really feel comfortable uh, in close proximity without it. So I would just encourage people just um, mask up just a little while longer. We're going to get through this at some point, um, and we are in this together. Any other comments? We're gonna to go to item number 20, which was reports, report on items from city staff, our city manager. Nothing tonight, Mayor. Our deputy city manager. I don't have anything tonight, Mayor. City attorney. Uh, no, thank you, Mayor. <laughs> Filling in, yes. And then our city clerk. I wish I had some. <laughs> <laughs> How about number 21? Can I get a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Moved by Weiner, seconded by Burgess. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? We're adjourned.